Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Fixed Income Conversation Corner podcast series here on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining us for the discussion today in studio here in 1285 Avenue of the Americas in New York City. Glad to have with me Leslie Falconio. Leslie serves as the head of taxable fixed income strategy for the Americas with our UBS chief investment office. We're excited to have with us in person as well Scott DiMaggio of Alliance. Bernstein, A.B. Scott serves as the co-head of Fixed Income. So with that, Leslie, I'll pass it over to you to lead today's conversation with Scott. Welcome back. Great. Thank you, Dan. And and thank you, Scott. And I have to say, Scott and I have known each other for quite some time. I consider him both a personal and professional friend, and I always respect his opinion, so I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. So I, I appreciate your time. Um, but I do, we want to, we, there's been a lot going on. And we have a lot of topics that we want to talk about, but I do want to kind of just get let's get into sort of the the heart of the matter in terms of the Fed, okay? And you know, I'm just curious about, and we're and our listeners would be curious, how is your viewing of the Fed going forward? Is it your view that the potential tighter lending standards, which we've already seen, could become a headwind to sort of you know future Fed rate hikes, or how do you see this kind of playing out? And we've seen this volatility a lot, as you know, in two-year Treasury yields, which you know had historical moves in March. So how do you sort of see the Fed playing out over the rest of the year? Yeah, Leslie, thank you for the warm introduction as, as well. I usually don't get such a – even when I go home, <laughs> such a kind introduction. But um, just to start, and thanks, thanks for having me in the studio as well. It, it's good to see people in, in person. You know, when we think about the Fed – Right? Maybe I'll use a golf analogy since it's Masters Week. Right? I think we're kind of at the 18th hole right? and that we really believe that the Fed maybe has one more hike in them. But then if you look at the body of work, it'll be 500 basis points in hikes over what's just a little bit more than a year. And you know, for us, the Fed will continue to hike until they break something. Right? And for us, when we start to look at markets, you've maybe seen tech a year ago or unprofitable tech, I should say, a year ago, crypto. You know, now we've started to see it hit the financial system, and we can say each of the regional banks is unique, and each one with its own separate problem. Right? However, we do have to acknowledge that the price of credit right, has gone up quite, quite a bit, and that is really impacting banks, net interest margin, et cetera, right? all the, um, the metrics that you look at for the financials. So you know, f- for us, you know, the Fed is going to you know, from here maybe go one more time, take a wait-and-see approach. I think the the point that, that you made is very much what we're looking at, right? What does bank lending look like? If these banks – and I ha- heard from a client this morning, zombie banks, yeah, right? If they, if they start to exist and you, know, you have them uh, – you have uh, that loan officer survey really coming to fruition and less credit being extended to the real economy, you should expect to see what was already a slowing economy just slow even further as we get into the second half of the year. We always viewed this year as a tra- what we call the transition year, right? Last year was the year of high growth, high inflation, and a lot of central bank activity, right? All, all on the hiking side. This was going to be a year where growth comes down, inflation comes down, and central banks get into more of that, you know, uncertain sort of phase. That means there'll be more volatility because the heydays, the easy days of zero rates and plenty of liquidity, you know, are over. And then ultimately, we'll transition into a slower economic and Fed rate cut period. We don't think we're there yet, but I think we're getting closer. And I think that's a good point too. Okay, so if the Fed is on the 18th hole, bogey, 
Birdie, that's the question. What are they going to? That's really what is what is how are we going to figure? How are we going to end this round? And and what I mean by that is that when we think about the short end of the yield curve, like I spoke about before, right? We've we've gone from a you know over five percent in March all the way down to the three seventies, right? And a lot of this really had to do with the shift in market sentiment. So when you look at the marketplace, which says, okay, I've got a sixty percent, maybe fifty five percent probability of one hike in May, and then let's just say. 60 basis points of easing, let's say the second half of 23. Do you think the Fed follows the market or do you think the market just has it wrong in terms of the path of the rest of the year? The way I, we would say, I mean, to answer it simply, we think yeah. the market has it wrong. We right. think the bar to cut is still quite high in it. And you know, for us, what the market is signaling is not that they'll cut rates once, a 100% probability of one or two rate cuts, but a small probability of a lot of rate cuts. Right? Maybe there's a 10% chance that they have to cut rates by 200 basis points right? if this banking crisis continues to, right, continues to escalate and, and get worse. The, the two-year volatility is, is really unprecedented, right? I mean 9-11, 2008. I mean these are you – know, this is kind of shocking, right, how big of a turn that we've, that we've seen. But I think it really leads to liquidity in the bond market, the ability to trade, right, to buy and sell has become quite impaired. Right. Trade volumes are down uh, you know, 60, 50, 60 percent. And so I think last year we probably saw moves that were maybe a bit exaggerated on the upside. And I don't think we should be surprised to see them a bit exaggerated on the downside right, as, we start to, as we start to rally. So you know, we would think that we would, you know, we would guess that this liquidity problem will continue and that we should expect there to be more choppiness both up and down in the movement of, of bond yields. So when we think about that too, I mean, you and I have been in this business, you know, a long time, right? longer than we'd like to stay, Scott. <laughs> but when we if we go during the time of that, you know, great financial crisis, we know one of the mistakes among many was the fact that the Fed waited too long, and the government would to you know start getting in there and trying to, you know, sort of slow, if you will, the process of the unwind. And now we see that they acted very quickly. Right. So when we think about in today's marketplace and just this sleeve of the market's reaction to the banking system, financial system, right? And as as we were discussing from our positioning, you know, we we like fixed income. We like fixed income, you know, over equity. We like fixed income higher quality assets. And it just so happens it's worked out somewhat worked out well given even though the volatility. But how do you see sort of this banking situation playing out going forward? Yeah, it is it is quite amazing. It like I said, 2008, I felt like it took you know Washington Mutual 90 days, right? 100. It's it was like, like a slow. Right. <laughs> it was a slow-moving train yeah, wreck, right. right? And now SVB fails in 48 hours, right? I mean, we go from not even hearing about them to right. right it's in receivership in in a, peri- in a period of time. Like I, I, I think what the what the Fed has done is flood the system with liquidity, right? Not make the same mistake as 08, and uh, all the different. Um, whether it be term repo, whether it be you know overnight repo, we've seen the the, the uh, regional banks really start to tap those tap those lines right, to make sure that they have that liquidity. So the Fed's going to make sure this is not a liquidity problem, right? The availability of, of liquidity will be there. Now, however, I go back to the price of credit, right? And if you can go to the Fed window for borrow for one year at four ninety, and you're holding Treasuries at you know three fifty, right, on your balance sheet. Right, that's going to crush your net interest margin. That's going to crush, right, the profitability of these banks. So I think while that, while the liquidity fixes the short-term problem, you know, I think longer term we're still going to have uh, an environment where bank lending slows, 
And then as the economy slows, we get into, I don't want to say a big uh, bad debt cycle, but we will start to see more defaults. We will start to see you know, potentially more stress in commercial real estate and, and some of these other, other areas. So um, maybe we've seen the biggest shock, right? But I think from here on out, we will play out in more of a traditional slowing economy, slower stress unwind. on the bank, right. slower on yeah. the right? Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good point. And you know, one of the things that we, we talked about as well is, is our interest rates. And you know, look, we know, you know as fixed income investors – you know, we know that it's not always just a level, but how quickly you get there. The velocity is really important. And, and you and I felt a lot of pain in 2022, not only as you went from one and a half in terms of, you know, a 425, but we got there so quickly and vol spiked. And one of the, the, the tailwinds for fixed income investors heading into 23 was not just, you know, recouping some of the poor performance of 22, but the expectation that volatility, although remaining above average, would not necessarily move in the same delta, if you will, right, which would cause these headwinds. So when we think about just the interest rates overall, and you'd mentioned we're down at like a 335 this morning, right? We were just at, you know, 408, you know, in on March 6th or 7th. What is your outlook on interest rates now? And, and do, you, do you think that as investors, given the fact that there is a likelihood that the economy slows, even though the Fed not, might ease at the second half of the year, and we're, we're not putting a high probability on that either, like in terms of where do you think about interest rates from here? Where 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 would you be positioned? Yeah, I mean, I think f- following your sage advice, right? We yeah. we've been recommending to add duration, right, this year as as we go, just for that reason that the Fed is getting closer to being done, and the economy the economy will slow. What we were incredibly encouraged by is the negative correlation has reestablished right. itself. Absolutely. So on those days where equities have struggled, we've seen that nice diversification benefit from owning owning bonds. So I would think that the, the, the rate levels that you set, right, 350 to us seems about fair on U.S. 10 years. So we'd want to own there and maybe be a little bit less at 335. But nonetheless, we're in the right, we're in the right zip code here. And I think importantly, you know, investors have to realize that you know, what was lacking last year in their asset allocation, that diversification, is hopefully coming back or has come back and hopefully will stay back for the rest of this year so that you can kind of get that nice uh, offset uh, against your risky assets. And we think rates will give you that, that, that benefit. So what, in, when, in terms of playing that and how you're structuring your portfolio today, and I really would love to hear your interest, just, just comment from a wide, wide range of spectrum. We know that you know, there's a difference sometimes between asset price stability and credit quality, meaning that a lot of these higher quality sectors that are more highly correlated to vol might experience some volatility with that, but credit quality with them is with those sectors are good. And then those sectors that might not change in price very much, but you know they're they're higher embedded credit, and the credit premium might be not as quite as what people want today, uh, given the protection of defaults. And just or maybe you think that they are. I'm just really curious. How are you playing out your portfolio? And feel free to to talk about whether it's you know munis or EM or however you want to address it. Just as we're really curious to your thoughts. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> sure. So I think. And as you touched upon it, the, the risk tolerance of the end client always matters, and you've always stressed that. I know over the, you know, over the years. Um, so I think for those kind of of the faint of heart, right, who want to, you know, we, we see value in many parts of the bond market, right. Our recommendation would be a barbell approach, something that marries interest rate risk with credit risk, that could give you that nice offset. And in today's environment, you can still collect six, seven, you know, eight percent yield depending on that that mix. Which again is is we think we think attractive, you know. For those that maybe are a little bit more optimistic on credit, 
right? We really we think that lower duration high yield, low duration, high income services, you know, something that, you know, maybe you're worried about where interest rates are today and are worried about that risk. But we think participating in the double B part of the high yield market makes sense. We would agree with you that defaults will pick up this year and defaults always start or most always start at the triple C area and kind of work their way up. So as long as this slowdown is manageable, manageable meaning down, you know, 1% or less, Right, that double B part of the market should we think be very well protected. The credit metrics are, you know, very strong as we, you know, as we come into this this year. Um, we are big proponents of munis. Right? Munis are, you know, even you know, if again you are worried about a recession, right, coming, you look at the balance sheets, you look at the um, the state fund, the state funding levels, et cetera. Right, we're starting in a pretty pristine place. Right? Munis are cheap, right, and we would. Know, argue for you know that that um, segment of the market that has to pay taxes. Right. That right, munis we think at these levels are right are are attractive. And what um, I mean, not just sort of because because you, you know our 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 view and is it's somewhat similar to what we, we were discussing before in terms of what we have in terms of CIO's view as well, which yeah. is you know higher quality. We like fixed income. You know whether it's munis, investment grade corporates, agency MBS is another one we like. But I have to ask you, though, when you think about the portfolio as a whole, and I know this isn't one of our sort of topics per se, but I am curious what you think. Well, like, what keeps you up at night? Where do, you, where do you think the wall of worry is that people should be aware of? I mean, I think the, I think the wall of worry, you know, for me was, was the money that's, you know, the money that's moved into kind of unregulated private assets. And not that I'm worried that there's been a lot of bad, you know, debt that's been issued, but nonetheless, there must have been some. Right, because of the just the amount of money that's flowed in that direction right over the past the past five five six years, so I think that's something that we need to keep an eye on right How does that reverberate through into right what we do really the the, the public markets um I also you brought up two thousand and eight right and I'll, I'll stress again, and you know you said as well this is not two thousand and eight, but when you start impairing banks and that credit transmission function, right those knock on effects start to become very worrying. Right and again the 08 with my 08 hat on, right? I think that you know you start you you don't really understand the unintended consequences. We spent a lot of time with our team this morning talking about commercial real estate and CMBS yeah. exposure, you know where there are going to be some really attractive opportunities, right? As we roll through the next the next several quarters, you know not not quite there not quite there yet, but that's a sector that we're going to keep our eye on, um, and get more you know probably get more excited about. And really, what keeps me up at night is like as long as bonds and equities stay negatively correlated. Yeah. Right. I think bonds have a place in in people's right. portfolios. Right. And you know, I I think that uh, anyone that's been out of fixed income for the past couple of years, right, good decision. Right. Pat yourself on the back, and I think it's time to to kind of get back in. And I think that's I think that's a great point too, Scott, because you know when you think about it, it's, it's one of those be careful what you wish for sometimes right. in the fixed income <laughs> sector. But I mean, listen, not only is the opportunity in fixed income now, you know, some of the highest we've seen is with yields well above these 10-year average, but also do, I also believe that to your point, when you think about CMBS and other sectors uh, going forward that still might create, you know, value, you know, and if we would have had, when you think about it, January, there was such a FOMO that people reached their end of year target for spreads in a month because things compressed so much, right? Everyone went in, you know, high yield went to 350. And it's almost, you know, good now to see things widen out as long as it doesn't overly snowball or, or there's this big catalyst. 
So in terms of like final thoughts, I mean, what would you what would you think in terms of how you would advise? And we're the same. We we like fixed income. We like higher quality. We think there's great carry. You don't want to go over your skis on risk. We do like parts of the alternative market as long as you're properly allocated and you do the appropriate selection. So, but if you had to leave final thoughts or advice for our clients and advisors, what would that be? Your last words? I think. I think this. Well, not last words. But last words on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. I, I think this. I think this will be. I think this will be a choppy year, as you said. Right. We might not see the same extreme volatility that we saw last year, but we should expect vol to stay high. We're still battling a growth, inflation, central bank uncertainty. Right, I mean, we went as you said from pricing the Fed to get to six percent to maybe they'll get to three percent. You know, not not quite, but get back down to four percent. So I think those extremes are going to, you know, leave that leave that uncertainty in the market. You know, for us as active managers, there's going to be you know a lot of opportunity. As you said, we repriced high yield by a hundred, hundred and twenty basis points in three weeks, and then we saw that same snap snapback in just about the same three weeks. Right? So I think those. Um, that volatility, that those that episodic movement and spreads is going to occur quite a few times until we have a little bit more certainty around what inflation will do, how bad of a recession or how deep a recession do we think we'll get to. And when central banks say, okay, you know, now we're at a comfortable spot and the next move, you know, will most likely be be lower. You know, so for us it's you know, it's stay active, stay opportunistic and stick to the game plan. Right. Right. If you want to be in fixed income, not every month this year is going to going to be a good one, right? But we would guess like you over the next nine months or this 12 months of this year, that fixed income will be a good place to a good place to be. Oh, that's great, Scott. I'm going to leave you there because that was really well said. And, and once again, thank you so much. And as always, it's really, I'm so glad we got to see each other in person in again. Person. And, it's great. And it's great to see you. And thanks again for coming back. I yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks for the time. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.